welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 15th episode. Typically, when you look at high school athletes, when they start their career from their freshman year all the way to their senior year, you see this transformation, this development from year to year, and you see this development from a mental perspective and a physical perspective. But through each year, these athletes they learn certain skills, and the skills that I want to focus on today on my show is leadership skills. And the athlete that I'm going to bring on my show today, his name is Lecky Nunn, who used to be the quarterback for the Sarah Padres out of San Mateo, California, and who has earned a full-ride scholarship to San Jose State University. The reason why I want to bring Lecky on my show is because I've had the opportunity to see this athlete transform from year to year. Or when you look at Leckie's junior year from his senior year, he was his explosive, incredible quarterback that was very quiet, led by example, but wasn't very vocal, didn't hold a lot of people accountable. He just did his job. But you'll learn in this interview some of the motivators why he changed as an athlete from his junior to senior year. And to be honest with you, he was a completely different athlete. He held the team accountable in the weight room on the field, in the classroom. He had a goal in mind, and his goal was to go to state. Now, starting the year, his senior year, going 0-4, there was a lot of finger-pointing outside of the program, a lot of naysayers saying that we weren't good, but that didn't bother him. That didn't waver him from his goal. And what he did as an individual and what he did on the field was contagious. His leadership style was was very upfront and very forward, but the team and the coaches respected it and supported it. So this is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him on the show, because I wanted to share with you a little bit his story, his approach on leadership, how he dealt with adversity, and truly how incredible this person is. But before we go into learning a little bit about his, his journey on his senior year, I want to share with you some of his accolades, and I don't want to share all of them because it's going to take me about 30 minutes to do that. So I'm going to share with you a little bit um, his junior and his senior year. So Lecky, his junior year, actually threw 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, passing for 1,766 yards, rushed for 11 touchdowns, rushing for 1,068 yards. So he was named first team All-League WCL and WCAL MVP. So pretty impressive stats. Well, his senior year, he threw 19 touchdowns, three interceptions, passing for 1,972 yards, rushing 18 TDs, running for 1,055 yards, and he tied the WCAL record for the most touchdowns in the season, which was 32 touchdowns. So with those results, he produced a lot of honors was named CCS, Offensive Player of the Year, WCAL Quarterback of the Year, First Team All-League, WCAL. Mercury News named him South Bay Peninsula Player of the Year. Daily News named him Offensive Player of the Year as well. As you can tell, Lecky had an incredible career at Sarah High School, and you're probably going to hear more about Lecky as he furthers his career at San Jose State. So let's go talk to Lecky and learn how he became a leader at Sarah High School. Hey, Lecky, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Coach? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I want to thank you for making time uh, to get on my show today. I've been waiting to have you on my show because 
the theme that we're going to be talking about is leadership. And considering what you went through as a, a football player and what you went through as, as the Sarah Padres last year, starting 0-4, I think you have a lot to talk about when it comes to being a leader and how to deal with adversity. And also just knowing you for the last couple of years, how you kind of developed your leadership style. So before we get into talking about leadership, I always ask all my guests on the show one one question, and it's, what does mental toughness mean to you? Uh, for me, mental toughness, it means that you can't let anything bother you by anything. I'm talking physically and mentally. You sort of have to just submit yourself and let yourself be humble. Like, if you mess up, then you mess up. But you just have to be able to bounce back and then produce twice as good than uh, – than the bad that you produce, you know what I mean? So, like, let's say you bust a play really bad. I mean, you have to make up for it by scoring probably, like, two touchdowns or something. Like, just try to, like, one up. That's what mental toughness means for me. Beautiful. Was there a moment last year or the year before where you could identify the most most mentally tough that you were, whether if it was a certain aspect of a game, um, or if there was something that you dealt with that you had to be mentally tough? To deal with I think uh, one of the big games that changed me would be Notre Dame of the 2014 season when I threw four picks during the game mm. and then we ended up losing that sort of changed my mindset because I let everything affect me that game and as a result you know we suffered but because of that like I was able to come back next game rush for over two, uh, 207 yards, bounced back, and that was just sort of that. that's when uh, mental toughness really uh, became a part of me. And um, it wasn't only that. I mean, there was, like, hardships outside of football, like life in general, but football, I mean, that was just the escape and that mental toughness to be strong in my mind outside of the field as well as on the field, it was just, it had, it had to like play into role, like no matter what. So wherever I took myself, I basically had to be mentally tough. Beautiful, man. It, it, it sounds like it was a moment where you kind of grew up a little bit, you know, as an athlete and as a person, because obviously you were going through some stuff and you also had a bad performance. And a lot of times athletes, when they go through those situations, it's an opportunity to mature and, and so it's awesome that you were you were aware of that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's like one of those things. Like anything in life, you just you really have to just bounce back. I mean, you can't let anything really affect you. Can't take anything to heart because there's always going to be second chances, and when they come, you just have to execute. Absolutely, and that's uh, that's that's definitely what you did for the last couple of years. Is definitely execute. So. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think defines a good leader? What defines a good leader is you have to put yourself in other people's shoes. Basically, if you want to be a good leader, you have to treat everybody like their family. Get to know each and every person for who they they are, and uh, because uh, in doing that, you sort of enable yourself to uh, live their lifestyle, live like them, and then put yourself in the positions that they're in. Once you do that, then you're able to feel, you're able to feel all emotions to full effect for that person, and um, I know it sort of just 
it sort of makes it sort of makes you like superhuman. Like when someone like touches, you know, your family, then you really go off and you really want to protect them or something like that. I mean, that that's basically what a leader wants for me. Somebody that I could really just call my brother or family. Got it. Got it. Now, how would you categorize your leadership style? My leadership style? I'm known to be sort of rough on kids, but I mean, I wouldn't be so rough if I didn't see anything in people. But I like them. I mean, I like to be hard on people because, I mean, nothing in life is going to be easy. And so, like, basically, if I had a corner, I'd throw him out there probably against one of the best receivers. Even if it's a bad corner, I'd throw him out there just to get him to learn and uh, just let him know that, you know, he needs to pick up his speed or whatever. Just to, like, basically, like, just throw people in real-life positions and make them make them execute certain plays and make them want to be great. Yeah. And, you know, and I saw, you know, being a part of the program the last couple of years, I saw a completely different lucky nun your junior year versus your senior year. Now, both years, very athletic, very talented, produced incredible numbers came, um, you know, you, you know, the team needed you so many times and you came through. But from a leadership standpoint, you were a little more reserved. And I think you just led by example and just dealt with, just kind of showed your talents. But there's something shifted for you for you from your junior to your senior year. What was it that made you want to step up and, and lead? Um, well, to be honest, being banned from playoffs really put a chip on my shoulder because – uh, yeah, WCL is a tough league, but if you're not, like, 6'1 or 6'2, like, let's say, like, you know, our friends down at St. Francis, Cyrus, and Bennett, you know, like, they're uh, recruited highly because they have, they're they're both, like, extremely talented, uh, both good friends of mine, but it's just obvious that being banned, like, the exposure wasn't there for a lot of players, and so I just wanted to – that coming into senior year – I just wanted to – my main goal was to go to state. It was from the get, but I just kept telling people that, you know, we should we should win WCL first and then CCS next because when people start thinking ahead of, uh, ahead of the bigger picture, then that's when their minds get discombobulated with just these thoughts of what could happen versus what would happen when you go and take it one game at a time. And so that was me just trying to tell these kids, like, Yo, like, yeah, we're good, but make sure that, you know, you have your head in the right place because there are other people better than us. It was just like that humble type of mentality that really just, just really just got us there. I mean, for me. Right. And, and I, and I witnessed a lot last year, um, you preaching and holding the team accountable by focusing on this practice and focusing on getting better today. Cause a lot of times when we start thinking about, the championship and state championship and the NorCal regionals, that's out of our control. So we're, we're kind of wasting our time thinking about that, about that stuff when we can control what's in front of us. So, you know, I saw, I saw you hold the team accountable a lot in that area. Now, now tell my listeners a little bit about the bands just so they have a, a, an understanding of kind of what your team went through the, your junior year and kind of what fuels your motivation on turning things around. Um, basically we were, we were, uh, we were banned from playoffs because we had lost, 
yeah, we lost first round. Um, and we were given an option for a consolation game. We played one consolation game uh, against uh, a Salinas team out there. And then uh, my coach, you know, he he didn't want to play the second consolation game because they wouldn't agree to terms with, you know, no kickoffs or anything like that. You know, Milpitas was pretty angry that they had lost from an upset the week before. So they wanted to uh, have a full-on game, and my coach was against that. So he opted out that we were brought into chapel during school. He told us he was crying. Uh, a lot of seniors were mad. A lot of seniors were happy. It was just it was just sort of mixed emotions for everybody. But basically, yeah, that fueled me because uh, I knew we were talented. I mean, we had uh, we had a right tackle going to Stanford. I mean, we were pretty stacked. We had Hunter. I mean, he had wheels. Like Hunter could run. Hunter could run like a mile. <laughs> he was just the right. quickest kid I knew. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I knew we had talent, and it just sucked seeing those seniors not be able to like get that much exposure and playoff ball, and just like really get what they deserve, which was a full season. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you when you go through that experience, and you're getting prepared, you're working your butt off, you're going into your senior year, and you experience probably the worst thing any team wants to experience in preseason going into league. You know, we started 0 and 4. So, talk to me. How did how did you kind of keep your eye on the prize, still keep everyone accountable, still being the leader that you are when you you went through that whole ordeal your junior year, and you go into your senior year and you start 0 and 4. So, how did you kind of keep your leadership style intact? I knew. Uh, we were 0 and 4, but at the time I knew we weren't playing for our full potential. Uh, I knew we had a, a lot of young, a lot of young people on the team, and uh, I just sort of, sort of after the Pittsburgh game, I just saw a lot of people develop uh, mentally, and um, a lot more kids. You know, they they finally realized that you know, hey, the season's here, and uh, they took it seriously. They started studying more, and everything just became. Everything became real, basically. That so that 0 and 4 really didn't bother me too much because I knew we hadn't played up to our full potential yet. And then once regular season began, I knew that we were, you know, we were that t- uh, that tough preseason was going to prepare us for our regular season. And I knew everything else from there was going to be a breeze. And then once we go to playoffs, is when we'll be tested again. And I knew once we were in playoffs, you know, we can't mess up. Every every drive has to be uh, close to perfect because you don't get second chances in life. And yeah, I really wanted to go to state, so that really drove me. You know what? There was a defining moment, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about this. But when you think of a leader, a leader steps up when it's uncomfortable. A leader puts the team on his back, says, "Let's do this." And there was a moment when we played St. Francis High School. When we went when we went in overtime, and the the complete confidence that you had in your body language, the way you threw the ball, the way you were running the ball during that one drive where you ended up scoring, talk to me about that because for me I was like this is where this is where this season is changing based off that drive because you stepped up in a really really tough difficult situation. I don't know. I just sort of 
during one of my seven on seven uh, tournaments, one of the coaches whispered to their uh, one of their players, and it it uh, really stuck to me, and it has and it still sticks to me. And he basically told him he was like, "Yo, he's like, why are you? Uh, he said, why are you holding?" And he was like, why are you afraid to be great? And that sort of, like, struck me, like, really bad because just hearing that, I just, I wanted to, I don't know, I just wanted to be great. So, I mean, he made, he basically motivated me to, uh, for that, for that game, for sure, because I, I, I was, I knew our plays were working and everything was fine, but basically with being a leader, you can't fold because I folded many times my sophomore year when I was playing QB, and as a result, we lost. Or if I held my head high, then things would go my way, and I just basically have to be confident and know that what was going to happen was going to happen. And I just kept telling myself, like, yo, you're going to do this, yo, you're going to do that, and it was just sort of like a personal thing for me. Well, when you talk about being great, and that's and that, that being your goal, I know you've heard this a lot, but what is it? How do you deal with statements where people say Lucky Nunn is arguably one of the best athletes that ever came through? Sarah, when you have Barry Bonds, Tom Brady, Lynn Swan, and the list goes on, how do you deal with those statements? You know, you look at, I just sort of look at the reality of it. You know, they're regular people, just like anybody else you'd see walking around. And, when you can put your mind to something, good things happen. So I wasn't really – I'm not really uh, – those those comments don't really affect my game as much because I just know as long as I just keep doing me and put my head in the playbook or whatever and just study the little things, then I can become even better player than I already am. So that just sort of motivates me. Right on. You don't, you don't feel any kind of pressure at all when, when people say – and you're the best player that's ever come through Sarah High School. No, because there's always going to be those conversations. I mean, we argue who's better, KD or LeBron James. Right, right. It's just, it's just like one of those things where, you know, let the actions do the talking versus the talking. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm not really worried about that. Awesome, awesome. You know, and one thing I want to throw at you, because I know you're you're pretty active on social media. And, you know, when I used to play football, we didn't have social media and we didn't have that potential distraction or pressure because this day and age, if you throw a couple picks in a game or you do something that's embarrassing, it's exploited within seconds. And so there's some pressure there. So does social media, has that was that ever a pressure for you? Because there's a lot of you guys are connected with each other from other schools and you guys are looking at who's getting the scholarship and who had the best game. Did social media become a distraction for you at all? Uh, not really. It was more funny than anything. I mean, I liked when people would talk, you know, mess over Twitter or whatever, and you just get those butterflies before you close your eyes the night before the game, and then you just come out and just end up smacking them. It's probably, like, my favorite thing. And as far as, like, offers, you know, like, you only need one, like, realistically. And then you're going to have to commit. But for me, uh, that stuff never really affected me. It's just if you're willing to work for it, like good things will happen. You know, you put your head down, you uh, toss your phone, go to work, basically. Because uh, at the end of the day, the real separates from the fake. And that's 
that's a mo- that's another motto I like to sort of live by. If you can play, you can play. And if you can play at the highest level, then you'll get noticed and recognized if you play at the highest level. Now, take me take me to your last game, high school football game at State. Talk to me a little bit because you were, uh, to me and everyone else could agree, you're pretty electrifying. Talk to me a little bit what your mindset was going into that game. No, honestly, I for the like one of the first times ever, I had a clear mind uh, during that state game. It didn't even feel real because the game before that at Sanger was the wildest game I've ever played in. Uh, it was just the crowd. It was just so electrifying. And then you go down the sack, and then half of those stands aren't even filled up. It's like it was just a huge difference. And um, I don't know, it was just. A low-key, uh, I would, not low-key, but I know I didn't play my full potential. I don't know what was wrong. It was an off day or whatever, but, but yeah, I, that game was, I don't know. That game was just, it was just fun. I knew, uh, again, that game, it felt like we had gone back to one of the 0-4, um, just like the energy that was, like, around. Like, I don't know if that was me personally, but, that's just how I was feeling the whole game. And, uh, yeah, we almost pulled it off. Love to go back and give it another shot. <laughs> right. But glad that, uh, you know, that was just a, a huge trip on the upcoming years to come at Sarah because, you know, it was our first state game, and then we lost our first state game. So it was just one of those things like, yo, you guys got to come avenge me or something. Just sort of like I don't know, put on, put on for Sarah again. You got to get back to the big stage. Yeah, man, it's that that game was. Um, I mean, the whole experience and the whole year was just monumental, and and I will remember it for the rest of my life. Just the way that I saw you uh, throughout playoffs, um, especially in that last game, but just the way that you just rose, rose above the occasion, and you, and you just seemed like you were never, you never wavered with what you wanted to do. You wanted to win. You want to do the best you can. And you just, you never saw, you never second guessed yourself. You never got down on anyone. You just were this, uh, this being of confidence. So it was, it's actually really neat to see, see that at, at the high school level. Kind of interested though, who, who, who are some of your mentors in your life or people that you look up to in regards to uh, people that inspire you or motivate you? definitely the Sarah coaching staff I mean we had a lot of up and downs and um, <clears throat> that senior year was just sort of just to top it off off of everything that's ever happened uh, with all my position switches and just all our struggles we went through and then uh, I'd say my biggest mentor would be uh, Nate Kenyon out of uh, De La Salle mm. um just because, I mean, he was my 7-on-7 seven seven coach, and uh, he taught me what it meant to be – he taught me what it meant to be a dog, basically. And uh, <laughs> he was – every day he'd say that, he said, you know, you just got to be a dog when you're on that field. Like, um, you just every, – everything's like a fight. Every little every little hit, every little down, it matters. Because in the long run, you know, you're going to wish you got that down. You're going to wish you dove to get those two yards. You just got to do everything in your power to win. 
that's basically what he taught me. And, um, I mean, I hope it showed, it certainly showed, uh, that year because, I don't know, it was just, every time we, like, took the field and then we played Dale South, I mean, you can see where they get it from, that dog mentality, because obviously they're number one in, in, in California for a reason. Right. And, um, Nate teaches them for a reason, too, so he's just, like, just that. I don't know, just that energy and that mentality. I like that style of play where, you know, like everyone's jawing at each other, everyone's talking, and then once the ball snapped, you know, like that's when it gets real. Like <laughs> it's just he's just one of my biggest mentors. And uh, everything that's happened so far and everything to come in the future. Awesome. And, and you know what, when you, when you kind of quantify what dog means – you know, and I kind of forgot how many positions you play because when I think of Lucky Nun, I just I think of a quarterback. But there were so many situations. Talking about being the dog, you were playing quarterback, you played running back, you played wide receiver, you played free safety. Sometimes you played corner. You did punt returns. Sometimes you did kickoff returns. Like you were, you were all over the place, man. Yeah, it was just. I mean, I love playing football. That's the, at the end of the day. That's what it is. And you know what, talk, talking to Coach Vassar, uh, defensive coordinator for Sarah, I mean, years ago, not years ago, but a couple years ago, you know, he kind of taught me the this kind of different way of being with football as far as being a, an athlete because we had this conversation about how, like, how Tim Tebow doesn't want to, you know, he's a quarterback and he doesn't want to play running back, doesn't want to play wide receiver. And he's like, when you're playing football, you have to, you're, you're, you're a football player. You're not just that position because things can change. And if you really want to play football, you got to be a football player. So with that being said, I look at you as a quarterback, but you're, you're a quintessential football player. You, you could, besides playing defensive line and offensive line, you can play any, any position on the field. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just like if coach, like wherever coach puts me at, you know, I just want to strive to be the best at that position. You know, I don't like being second to anything. It's just one of the worst feelings ever. Well, you showed that, man. You you definitely showed that. Truly, I'm I'm honored to have you on the on my show. I can't wait to watch your your career progress um, at San Jose State University. I think you're probably one of the more explosive athletes that I've ever witnessed, and it's just been it's just been a pleasure to get to know you and and watch you on the field. Thank you, Coach. It's just been a pleasure to play. I mean, it's just one of those things. Thank you for everything. Uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, thank you for giving me this time on your podcast. Yeah, I mean, can't thank you enough. You bet, man. Well, before I go, I like to, uh, I always kind of promote a book that kind of is in alignment of what we're talking about. And this is a book that is an old book that I read right out of college. And it's called Think Like a Champion, Building Success on Victory at a Time. And it's a book on Mike Shanahan. And if anybody knows Mike Shanahan, he's, he is a, he's a disciplinarian. He's super, super disciplined in his regiment. But this whole book is about being a leader. As I was going through this book, Leck, there's a lot of stuff he talks about. There's a lot of things that he has his quarterbacks do that you actually were doing the last couple of years. So... So I wanted to bring this this uh, this book up. If anybody, any of my viewers out there or listeners, are interested in uh, in a good leadership book, check this book out. So, 
Leck, my man, thanks thanks again for being on the show, dude, and um, good luck to you, man. You're welcome, and uh, thanks for having me, Coach. You bet.